This episode is sponsored by Boomi. If you're anything like us and you care about conscious consumerism, you'll love the range of products that Boomi has on offer. Not only are all of their products ethically made in fair trade certified factories, but they also only use premium organic cotton, which means no harmful pesticides, no toxic dyes, and there's no child or exploitative labor. With their new beautiful range of flannel bedding and sleepwear that is super soft, thick, warm and luxurious, you'll feel like you're wrapped in a cocoon. Sleep better knowing that you've made a positive and social environmental impact. To learn more about Boomi and their full range, visit boomi.com.au. That's B-H-U-M-I Now on to the show. Welcome to episode 61 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael O'Fay and I'm joined by my wife, Marsha. Hi. And on this show, we talk about what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. And in this conversation, we're going to be talking about the kitchen, but more so, you know, why would you consider applying minimalism to your kitchen? What are the benefits of that? How do you get started around it? And we realize that this is a conversation we're not demonstrating or showing you in a video or blog post but um, we thought we could give you a little bit of some insights to behind the scenes of how we have made those adjustments over the years and how that's helped you know how we feel about spending time in the kitchen Uh, so yeah it's a really exciting episode for us and Marsha's certainly going to be leading the way with this one um, because she's done so much work for our kitchen over the years but before we get into that do you have any updates um, what's been happening since the last episode Yeah, so we've published a few pieces of content since we last aired and we did a pretty intense video (laughs) on cabbage recipes. So it's got three different recipes on there showing you how how to use a whole head of cabbage in case you weren't familiar with that vegetable or if it's not something that, you know, that might overwhelm you and that you can feel intimidated by. Got some really easy, yummy, delicious recipes to share with you on that. So we've got that up on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't checked it out um, so far, please do so because we're really proud of the work we're putting up there. And we've done a few different articles as well. One of them being an updated version of our vegan business ideas. And we actually did a whole episode on that and that's episode uh, 22. So you can go back in through our archives. We'll also link all of these in the show notes as well for this episode. But it was episode 22. So if you're interested to hear um, how, you know, to go about generating different vegan business ideas and, you know, obviously ideas that we have that I think, you know, a lot of us would love to see come to fruition. And then we did a revamp of our zero waste kitchen, which is kind of what this episode was inspired by. So it's a pretty comprehensive guide on how to start a zero waste kitchen, what to implement, what to watch out for, all of that sort of great stuff is in there. And then we also did a an article we needed to throw in a minimalist one in there as well just to balance it out and it's how to start being a minimalist today so that was another great article that Michael published so yeah so that's what we've been up to so is there anything else you wanted to add that I've missed there yes there is one thing 
we're currently working on a article uh, to capture data around minimalism in families because when you look at our situation, it's it's Marsha and I and our pet dog, but we wanted to broaden out the perspectives and get some insights from our audience. So in preparation for this article, I've put together a little six-question survey. And um, if you feel like you are part of a minimalist family and would like to participate and share some of your experiences, we would love to see your responses come through on our survey, which I'll also link to in our uh, podcast show notes, which we can find at theminimalistvegan.com slash zero six one. But no, that's it. So, you ready? Yes. We should transition. So. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because we can just throw around the word minimalism and it, it, it feels nice to just attach it to different things, right? And call everything minimalist and it sounds a little bit more appealing if that is something that appeals to you. Um, but I just want to get a bit deeper for a second here and think about the kitchen space in general and all of our lives. And yeah. I suppose what I see is a potential issue with having a kitchen that is cluttered. And has too much going on because when we pair it right down, generally we spend quite a lot of time in the kitchen. Mm. It's a high trafficked area of most households, and it's a place where you know we come together, we prepare food, obviously, but it can also be a dumping ground for a lot of a lot of our possessions as we're walking by when uh, placing things on the surfaces. It's a place where we have arguments. It's a place where <laughs> um, uh, all the good and the bad happens, and it can. You know, when you look at a lot of new house designs now, the kitchen is a is a central hub of the home. It's somewhere where we all want open plan kitchens so we can converse with our loved ones when we're cooking as well. And if you want to see what our kitchen looks like, jump onto our yeah, YouTube yeah, channel. That's it. <laughs> so it's it's a very important space of the house. And on top of that, I feel that if you're, you have an area of your house that feels that it's messy, it's cluttered, it's disorganized, um, naturally we have a resistance to spend time there. Or it's just overwhelming, you know, like you, it's just not something you want to deal with. Yeah. yeah. You, you will definitely have resistance, especially when you have to be reminded of certain obstacles as you're trying to cook a meal. You yep. know, like, oh, I need to deal with this. Oh, this is in my way. You know, like when it, there's a cluttered space it's going to remind you every time you step into the kitchen. So yep. 100%. And you then, can't avoid it. <laughs> and then if you've got people who are trying to learn how to cook or don't know how to cook and, you know, as we talked about, I think, back in episode 28 about the challenges of plant-based cooking and our thoughts on how important cooking is as a skill. If there's any skills that you want to pick up in life, cooking is right up there. Yeah. And if we're all trying to hone this skill, and we already have a lot of natural resistance to doing it. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, you've got these barriers of just clutter, like no space to work in, things getting expired, like there's no surface space to use. Like it just creates even more barriers for you to begin that journey. So I don't know, when you look at all the areas in a house, it's like one of the ones you really want to try and keep clutter free. So you are giving yourself the best opportunity to be creating and making healthy healthy foods or foods that you just need a bit more time that you'd like a bit more time to prepare and actually be a place that you want to spend time in Mm. wouldn't that be amazing that it's not something that is just pure utility but it's actually an area of the house where you're like oh i can't wait to get in there 
and explore my creativity, you know, and express that um, even for myself or for my spouse or my children or whoever, your roommates. And I think that's where we, it needs to begin for the kitchen. So if you're sitting here listening to this and thinking, well, what's the big deal perhaps in maybe applying minimalism to your kitchen? Hopefully through this conversation and understanding just there might be, there could be a bit of a burden already that you've got by having clutter in your kitchen um, that you may not realize. And just think about how exciting it would be to want to spend more time in the kitchen and what impact that could have on your life. And I think now, honestly, more than ever with, you know, the pandemic and everything that's happening around the world, more people are being stuck at home. They can't, you know, they're not going to the office. They're not going anywhere. They're naturally spending more time in their kitchens and, you know, I wish that we aired this podcast a year ago, yeah, but, yeah, it, sure. you know, in hindsight, you can't change the past. So we're kind of looking at this now. Now, I believe everything happens for a reason. So we're recording it now. And if, if you are spending more time at home, you could have actually done the opposite. You know, you would have spent more time in the kitchen, but you might have found it more frustrating because you haven't dealt with that clutter and because you are in your home more often you're finding that you're not getting through your lunch break as quickly as you'd like because you're preparing the food at home, you know, breakfast, and you are spending more time in that space, yet maybe you haven't bothered to deal or declutter it or minimize it or get it to a point where you actually look forward to spending more time in there. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just wanted to make a note that like we have both over the... 10 odd years that we've lived out of home we've actually lived in multiple different scenarios and different kitchens in that time so everything from you know our family homes we've both as a couple lived in each of our family homes so we've dealt with that environment we've lived in studio apartments with a tiny tiny kitchen had no oven, you know, a little round sink. And this was the beginning of the Minimalist Vegan where we, where I was creating recipes all the time. Um, townhouses, houses, you name it. Like we've, we've been in every possible environment when it comes to a kitchen. So like we know the sizes of the space really matters. So, but we are talking also from experience in this situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good point because there is a obviously a design element to all these kitchens and an adjustment we all need to make, right? Depending on what we have available. And we've been in some kitchens where there's been a lot of storage and we've been in kitchens where there hasn't been as much and we've had to get really creative. But I think the principles of minimalism have remained fairly consistent no matter what kitchen environment we've been in. I mean, right now, as we speak, we're in a furnished property. So, um, that's different altogether as well because you're combining our own things with the the kitchen utensils and tools that were already in this place. So we had to figure out what that looked like to make it our own, um, to apply minimalism to the current situation as well. So this is going to be different for everybody depending on their circumstance. But we have, yeah, definitely been exposed to quite a few kitchens in our time. Yeah. So just to really hone in on the what Michael was talking about earlier with the issue of clutter, there's just a few other points that I wanted to highlight. We touched on the fact that, you know, it's harder to find things in there. And I think besides the possessions that are in there, you know, you obviously have too many mismatching bits and pieces, you know, like Tupperware is a classic example. You have like 10 lids, you have five bits of Tupperware. So 
just looking at those things and I think a lot of the time that can overwhelm people it's like it's a future problem it's a future problem I don't want to deal with it now I've got too many other things going on yeah I think that's how kitchens can quickly become neglected um, yet again as you mentioned before it's a high trafficked area we're in it at least three typically for us at least we're in it three times a day and but then there's this whole thing of the food and mm. food can get ugly if it's not maintained well and things go off or they expire it's just an unhygienic environment food can make you sick as well yeah and i mean i think we've all been there i think we've all sort of cleared out the back of our uh pantry or fridge and we've been pretty horrified to find to discover (laughs) some of the state of the food that we've been living in right so i think by removing that clutter, we get to get, have a peace of mind knowing that it's not getting to that state. Yeah. I mean, I try and keep on top of it quite well to make sure that things don't expire or that, you know, that they go bad. But there has been a couple of times that, you know, you open up a jam jar, you're ready to spread it on your crepes and it's got mold on it. Yep. And I know a lot of the times they say, you know, just scrape it off. It's fine. But mold can spread it doesn't just sit there, it does spread around. So right. I'm a little bit funny about that as well. Um, so, yeah, and again, it's just more decisions to make. Like you have to make so many important decisions throughout the day and yet this is just something that you just want to take off your plate. And not that it's just decisions, you know, a messy environment is also a really stressful environment. I mean, I know for me and, you know, you've written a, you've mentioned this in a blog post where you were talking about how, clutter visual clutter can actually rise your cortisol levels. oh yeah yeah yes yes the, the <laughs> sorry. yes the post on uh the negative effects of clutter so we looked at some scientific research about the the effects of clutter and increased cortisol levels was um something that was very apparent particularly in women so that was really interesting to discover as well and not only that it can lead to a lot of health problems lack of focus which can translate to more mistakes in the kitchen heightened stress and anxiety and just this subconscious belief that there's always incomplete things around you that's what clutter signals to the brain and on the topic of stress i actually find my one of the things that i hate the most is being in a kitchen and not having enough bench space to put down a chopping board, a few vegetables around or the ingredients that I'm cooking with to get it done, having to manoeuvre things and not having enough space for pots and pans. Like I like a big kitchen. For me, that's really important. But that doesn't necessarily – a big kitchen doesn't always necessarily mean – you know, cupboards filled with You just with want a decent surface space, yeah. 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 So I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that can agree with me on that front. Yeah, then. look, and I, I don't know. I, even if I'm cooking, what what's the rule for me if I'm cooking? Marsha, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm solo in the kitchen, just need the space to move around Whereas and stuff. Whereas I'm so. okay with you being in the uh, kitchen yeah. if you're helping out or I'm telling you what to do, yeah. which is my favorite thing <laughs> in the world. And you like having a chat whilst you're cooking and multitasking and all that. So yeah. uh, again, we're, we're all different. different. We're yeah. all different. And, but not a, like, okay, so yes, you're right. That feeling of not having enough surface space to just get in and out, get what you need to get. But then that's heightened by, you know, people bumping into each other and moving around and like it it can get very full on. So having less clutter or no clutter 
in, in that situation would just help bring it down a couple notches uh, to feel a bit better and to be, be more positive around each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think for us, the main thing is that we want to inspire as many people to spend more time in the kitchen cooking and how can we all actually achieve that? And this is a really important component of it because as much as you might be passionate about cooking, love to get home and get in the kitchen, it might be something that you might eventually transition to want to do as your career. But having a cluttered kitchen is not going to help you to get there and enjoy that process. You might be one of those people that can completely switch it off and it does not bother you one bit, but I'm sure that you would prefer to have a clutter-free environment, um, know where you know, everything is, in the drawers and in the fridge and freezer before you get started. That's so. it. And I mean, look, there's a reason why, and I haven't been to chef school, um, chef school <laughs> is that what it's called culinary so i have not been to i've not been to culinary school but from what i've seen uh chefs do on television and, and youtube and whatnot one of the the first things they're taught is to always have a clear uncluttered environment before they start cooking uh, so it gives you the best ability to focus limit your mistakes and just be more efficient so um, if this is what's being taught in culinary school, I think this is something that we could all probably learn something from. And again, different kitchens in different restaurants and cafes, they're all different sizes. You might have a ginormous kitchen that can cater for hundreds of people. Or you might have a really small pokey one, but they all need to be able to cook efficiently and really good food. Yep. So this is where like, you know, no matter what size your kitchen is, you can declutter it and make it more efficient and more enjoyable space for yourself. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, now that we've um, we've hopefully told you some things that you already know, but maybe bring it back to the front of mind for you, um, because no matter where you are and listening to this podcast, it's likely that in the next 24 hours, you're going to interacting with your own kitchen so um there's a constant or you might be in there right now yeah or you might be in there right now so it's just one of those things that is just there it's part of your life it, it needs to be dealt with and that's what's really exciting about the kitchen as opposed to other areas in your house is that you can implement some things and feel the benefits mm. and the impact like straight away mm. next time you're in the kitchen it might just be that a little bit more easier and then as you declutter more and more and more it's just going to get better so Hopefully that's exciting. Hopefully you can move it up on your to-do list, but let's talk about some tips. Yes. So just before we jump into the tips, I just wanted to discuss, I guess, the difference between a clean kitchen and a minimalist kitchen. Sure. So there is a little bit of a difference. Mind you, I've always been, it's interesting, before minimalism, I had an organized kitchen. Mm. Post-minimalism, it's been more of a minimal organized kitchen. So the main differences that you'll see between a minimal kitchen and a tidy and neat kitchen is that it's kind of the same as anybody else, you know, like they might have lots of knickknacks, everything is neat and tidy, they know every, where everything is, but they may not necessarily use it. So for instance, in a kitchen, you might have 10 different appliances that half of them you only use every couple of years when you remember that you had it sitting in the back of your cupboard. It might be neatly in its box with all of its instructions and everything, but, you know, it's all organized, it's clean, it's tidy, it's out of the way so that you can access other things that you use more frequently before it. That's all great, but that's not a minimalist kitchen. So 
again, applying minimalism to a kitchen is asking yourself a whole bunch of questions and just keeping what's essential and eliminating everything else. That's right. Because the way I see it is that like an organized and a clean kitchen and, and looking at particularly you and your behavior before we started our minimalist journey is that you could still find a home for everything and surfaces were relatively clear and everything was functional and it, it looks great. Um, I think, though, the challenge is when you went deeper into each cabinet or cupboard, that's when we really started to see how things were so full, packed to the brim. So you've got a lot of people who have clear surfaces and the kitchen looks nice, but then it's one item away in a particular drawer or cupboard from everything falling out of it. <laughs> so it's overflowing inside. And it's not as, it's like a minimalist kitchen has a lot more breathing room around everything that's in storage. In yeah, your pantry because you and have cabinets. space, that doesn't mean you have to fill it. Exactly yeah. right. It's like, you know, if you have a family room with lots of space, wall space, doesn't necessarily mean you need to put furniture in to every, like it's, a, it's a, every single gap or you need to put paintings on everywhere. If you want to, that's totally fine. If that's a style choice or something that makes you happy. But it, there's a, the difference is in the mentality. So... In a minimalist kitchen, there's generally going to be fewer things compared to just an organized kitchen, which has everything, but does a much better job of organizing the storage, which leads me to another article that we wrote about the problem with storage. Uh, and, yeah. and we talked about uh, how it applies to minimalism as well and how we can leverage storage so much to a point where we're basically just hiding a lot of our clutter. We don't have less clutter. We're just hiding it. Yeah. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, sounds good. All right, so finally, <laughs> let's get into some tips. And I think it was a really important distinction to make because I think, again, you can call people out or you can call yourself out and go, ah, yeah, no, my kitchen's very minimal, when, but it's actually just a very organized, tidy kitchen. Yeah, and, and I think the mentality, it doesn't really stop the consumer cycle. Yeah. Because... Uh, you know, oh, that's somewhat, such a nice it's a, mug. I've got some space for it. That's it. Or or someone could be really organized and they're just swapping things out all the time. So they're just yeah. upgrading their their sets all the time because yeah. they want the latest and the greatest. And that, again, doesn't stop this pattern of wanting more things. Mm-mm. So uh, it's just something to be aware of. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Now, let's talk about these tips. So... One, before we start on anything, we need to define the transformation of what you want your kitchen to be. So do you want it to be an inspirational space? Do you want to be able to find things easier, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are not along about that one. Um, Do you want to reduce overwhelm? Do you want to be less stressed in your environment when you get into the kitchen, which we talked, which we touched on before? Do you want to be able to do meal prep? Like I know a lot of people, especially with families and that are busy, they want to be able to do meal prep. Well, does your kitchen space allow you to do that quite efficiently and effectively? Mm. Or do you want to go in the opposite direction and, you know, do you want to enjoy slow creation, which is what I love to do, um, you know, slowing down and creating different things in the kitchen that might take you a few hours to make. But, you know, you want to be able to do that for instance, you know, you might just need more space to make certain things like pasta, pizza, like doing things from scratch, bread, you know, all of those recipes and foods. And do you have a small kitchen and you just want to be able to use it better? 
and even not if a you necessity have a, yeah, yeah just <laughs> um and really think about the functionality of your kitchen space just because you might have a massive kitchen you could actually downsize mentally as to to do it that way as well so now that we've got you know have a think about the transformation the next thing that we want to do is get into the action part which is my favorite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've done this in our house and in family homes as well um i and i actually was one of those kids that from a very young age i was doing that in my family home all the time and i loved it it wasn't like my mum calling me to the kitchen oh can you please you know clear this out just, you know, she'd just randomly come into the kitchen sometimes and I'd be pulling out everything out of the pantry, cleaning it out, throwing things out. How old were you when you started doing this out of curiosity? Uh, probably primary school. Wow. Yeah. Strange kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I just like no, to no, be... No, you're a responsible... That's really... I, that's a joke. I think my mum's very grateful yeah. that she had one child that was like that. I mean... You know, yeah. we all kind of have a little bit of that in us, but I was one to quickly action these things because yeah. they just bugged me. And right. I'll, you know, like I action things when they bother me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm an action taker rather than just stomp my feet and be frustrated type of person. So clearing out your storage. So I suggest, since I'm such a seasonal experienced person <laughs> in this, clearing out one space at a time. And keep in mind that you're pulling everything out. So you're talking about like drawers, um, cupboards, cupboards. Yeah. Th- so basically that. Yeah, and then maybe we'll some go shelves, into, but we'll talk about shelves yeah, later. It right? just depends on the setup of your sure. kitchen. So anything that you can open and close. Yep. Is part of that. Yeah. Okay. So and then the other thing that you want to do is also focus on looking at everything that's in that space and going okay. Do I have a full set here? Is anything missing? Is anything broken? Do I need to buy something to help finish this? Yep. You know, and looking at it analytically, like, do I need 20 teaspoons when there's two of you living in the house? Do I need 50 mugs? You know, that's something that I have seen and I've heard that people just love collecting different mugs. So I think you also got to be practical about the space and the amount of people that are living in your space yeah like for instance for us we bought a set back in 2016 that was a matching set of large plates small plates and like bowls that was six set of six Mm. now yes there is the two of us but we want to be able to cater for when there's more than just the two of us. Mm. We have lived off just two plates, two bowls, you know, when we lived in the studio apartment. Yes. So, but now that we have the space to also have people over. Yep. Um, and it's also nice to have extra things for us, you know, like if we have yeah, soup in the, twice a day. In the or, studio apartment, we didn't have anyone over. Yeah. So we couldn't. Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah. it just goes to show that, you know, there are examples of extreme minimalism. Yeah. And um and having out such little things well. out yeah. of necessity, depending yeah. on your situation, but from choice too. And the feedback you hear over and over and over again is that when you get to that level of minimalism, it makes it harder to participate in community because of how little things you have. So mm. I think there is potentially a line for people depending on what your goals are. Um, if you're not just completely nomadic 
and you actually have a home environment. But yeah, we found that when we just had literally enough plates and bowls for ourselves, um, naturally we didn't really never had anyone over. So whilst now we have the ability to do so. so Yeah. Anyway. And I think the other thing to note is, and which I think I've talked about, I don't know where, but I've talked about it before in some content that's on our website is if you don't have it, you can always ask, you know, whoever's coming over to bring their own. Yes. I mean, some yeah, people yeah. might feel really uncomfortable mm. saying that. Others might be like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, it's kind of like a potluck type of situation mm. where you might have multiple people bring their own plates of food. And then it's just like, you know, just bring some extra cutlery or, or a cup with you as well while you're at it. And, you know, lots of people are understanding that this is the way that you live and you don't want to have to cater for that once in a blue moon occasion, mm. um, especially if you don't have the space for it. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And so once you've kind of gone in that particular singular cupboard, once you've gone through and looked at everything that's missing or that needs replacing or whatever, before you start, Take a box. I should have said this first, but take a box or two, depending on how big your space is. Be realistic with how much you might actually take out because I'm sure you know in the back of your head how many things could be coming out of this kitchen. So put into the box things that you don't remember the last time you used it or be, be honest with yourself. Did I use this in the last six months? And that's being very generous. Yep. Did I use it in the last three to six months? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to, you know, with that question, you're kind of taking away the what ifs and the emotion out of it, the justification to keep it, but more objectively, have you used this? Yeah. Uh, yes or no in the last six months. And, yeah. And that should help. Yeah. So don't put like broken things or lids without Tupperware into this box. That's not what I'm suggesting. Those things need to be recycled or thrown in the rubbish. Things that you're putting in here that are still functioning and that are capable of doing what they're meant to do, but you just haven't used. So put those things into the box as you're doing this process. Yeah. And just before we go on, so you're you're saying that, you know, it's best to just do one storage space at a time. Yeah, so this could be one drawer or one cupboard. Yeah, is that? Yeah. So what my goal is is to try and pull everything out. Of that one space. Yeah. So if you have a small kitchen and you don't have much bent space, you're not going to be able to pull everything out at once. Yeah. So I'm trying to be practical and approachable for every situation. And it also helps if, you know, you want to do this over a period of time rather than not. I mean, we we tend to not waste time when we declutter, but and we try and do a big marathon over a day or so. But if you're in a situation where you can only spend 30 minutes a day or whatever it is because of time constraints, at least this way you can potentially achieve that result of clearing out a space in one session. Yeah. So just one drawer at a time, one shelf at a time, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do that with all of the drawers and the cupboards in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the cupboards need to be cleaned do so in that process because let's be honest how often will you do that otherwise that's true and then put those things back in a nice and neat and organized fashion obviously putting the things at the front that you use the most and then work your way backwards right so that's for the cupboards and the and the drawers and then before we move on to the pantry just put that box aside we'll get to it a little bit later as well cool so now we're on to clearing out your pantry so again, focus if you have like a walk-in pantry or if it's a full cupboard, 
Just focus on one shelf at a time. Best place to start is check everything for expiry dates and that's an automated chuck out if it's expired. Some things, they're still okay after expiry. I'll leave that to your own judgment. And then also start checking the things that you don't use. Things that you might have bought for like some recipe that you thought you might make more often but you maybe didn't like it as much as you thought you would. Pull those things to one side as well. So everything that you're putting back into your pantry are things that you use on a regular basis. If they are things that are maybe close to expiry, you can leave them out on the bench. Like this is sometimes what I do is I leave those things out on the bench and then think of like a meal or something that once I've cleaned out my fridge, I might make with those things over the next couple of days yeah, yeah. just to make sure that they're again not going to be bumped to the back of the pantry yeah. and forgotten about and then that's wasting food and we don't want that. That's a good point to sort of bring bring those things front of mind so you actually utilize that. So I think that's, yeah. that's critical. Um, and sometimes if you think, oh my God, I bought this, I'm never going to eat this, just either donate it you know there's lots of I'm sure charities that are happy to take you know especially jarred tinned food if you know that your sister-in-law loves it give it to family or friends for it to be used up so that it doesn't go to waste and then also while you're doing that look at the things that you might have doubled up on if you don't already have a system for this, have a look if you have like three jars of peanut butter. Yep. The one that's open or if you have multiple open, put them in order of expiry first so that you can, again, use it up properly. Mm. Um, but the ones that aren't open, actually put them in a separate section in your cupboard. For us, that's the bottom shelf at the very back. So I know to check there first if something that we use on a regular basis runs out or if it's something I need to top up for when I go grocery shopping. Yep. Um, so for us, that is a peanut <laughs> peanut butter situation as yes. well. So now we're up to actually organizing. So before you shove everything back into the cupboard, let's make sure that it's organized and so that you know where everything is, what needs to be used first, what are the things that you still want to keep that you might not use as frequently but that you need you know like when you're making a birthday cake for instance or when you're making that special dish when your kids come to visit you every few months whatever it is so I normally have things like salt pepper herb spices oils and vinegars on the shelf that I can see the most because those are the things that when I open the cupboard I use pretty much every single time so that's like at um uh, arm's reach level level. yeah arm's reach and eye level yeah so if you if you're able like because our pantry is one big sort of cupboard Mm. I have put it like where I can see over the top of jars as well so it's actually below eye level Sure. Yeah. And then group other items like flowers, grains, teas, if you like teas like we do or like I do, you know, different spreads, pastas, just group everything together so that you can quickly and easily see what A might be missing, B, what you have access to, where all of your stock levels are. One thing that we do is, well, as much as we possibly can get in bulk, we store it in jars so and clear jars so that you can see at all times what your stock levels are mm. at and so if i'm running low on chickpea flour i know that that jar needs to go into my basket which then when i go shopping next comes with me so it's a bit of a system for me to know okay that's getting low 
there's a particular few recipes that I like to use chickpea flour for. That's not going to be enough to make any of them. I know I need to take that jar out of the pantry and put it into my basket or a bag or maybe in a different section so that you know to take that to the shops with you next time you go. Or again, if you just buy things from the the store, just jot it down, Um, have a specific area. We have an app called Tick Tick where we have different shopping lists for different different shops that we go to. Yeah. Um, And on that point, I think I've experienced very cluttered kitchens and uh, what I notice is that the moment that you take something out of the pantry, that space gets filled up very, very quickly with something else. Yeah, and then sometimes you even forget what was there before. That's it. Yeah. So, But when you have an uncluttered pantry, Mm. the benefit is when stock levels get low and we take those jars out of the pantry... You see holes. You see holes and the holes stay there. Yeah. As a reminder that something goes there. Yeah. So it's like we're running this like a a grocery. Like I feel like a pantry Mm. is like a mini grocery. Yeah. So therefore you're not just putting more things in that place and it gets very confusing so that's another benefit of keeping it as clear as possible yeah and if you do like i know when we first moved out together access to you know bulk shops wasn't like it was a thing but it was still very very small like there was maybe one store in the whole of our city that had bulk foods but like it it was still like a very hippie thing Mm. and so and half the time it was completely out of the way for me. I didn't bother going there. So you'd still buy packets, but then transfer them to jars. Sure. Like I know that that kind of sounds a bit weird, but at the same time, it's still much easier to look at a jar and its levels than it is in a packet that you've scrunched up together with, you know, those clippy things yeah. or a rubber band. And because you, a, half the time, you don't even know what it is because so many packets look exactly the same. It looks really cluttered and messy in your cupboard and you don't know if you're running out. Because yes. again, it has this false sense of space when you've like, you know, even yeah. like cereal boxes, for instance. Like how are you going to know if you're running out? So if you want to transition to be able to be on top of your groceries. Wait, Marsha, wait. <laughs> Come on, yeah. yeah but, you have to, <laughs> but that means you have to pick up everything, know, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's not overly practical yeah no i know, I know what you mean I know it's hard it's to go back step, it's hard to go back now like, when you can see levels but yeah. when you can see it so clearly so i i do yeah it's interesting that you say that like even things the rare things that you buy in a packet you're also transferring you uh to a jar and quite often you can get you can store more food that way too oh yeah you know what Easy. i mean so which which limits the amount of times you need to top up that ingredient yeah saving you more time and yeah. being more efficient so yeah that's a good one and on top of that i know what's really helped me is that you've gone ahead and labeled the jars as well yeah so it makes it super clear so i'm not wondering like i don't have to open up the smoked paprika and the, and the cayenne pepper and smell them to figure out what it is like yeah, it's yeah. nicely labeled so yeah um, that makes life easy too. So thank mm. you for that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, you know, and even with like flour, there was a time that I wouldn't label jars or, you know, like when I'd go over to my family's home and they sometimes wouldn't have jars labeled. Yeah. I'd be like, what flour is this? And my mom would go, I don't know. She'd kind of smell it, look at it. Mm, I think it's this. Yeah. And so for me, like labeling jars is really important, but you also got to not just label them. You got to keep being consistent with what you put in them. Yes. Because that can be confusing if you like have a 
one that says white flour and then you go to the shops and put buckwheat flour in it. Right. Well, that's not really going to work. Yeah. So, you just got to keep those things in mind as well. Get yourself a separate jar for the buckwheat flour. Yes. Um, and, well, well I th- you know what? On that note, I think the jar system and labeling the jar is a really great way to prove to yourself if this ingredient is actually essential to you. Because yeah. for for you to actually go to the lens to jar something and label it means that it needs to have a pretty strong like it's argument. It's going to have to have real estate it's gonna have, yeah, yeah, it's going to have to real, have a real reason yeah. to earn its right onto your shelves. So this really will help you start to get into a good flow with your meal prep and what you use regularly and help you understand the ingredients that you use and yeah, ap- apply that level of essentialism, if you like, to your ingredients. Yeah. So, um, and if, yeah, so if you feel like it, it's not worth getting a jar and, you know, we've got jars, different sizes and ranges depending on the ingredient. But if you feel like, why would I go to the effort to label a jar for this ingredient? Well, maybe, Just maybe use got it a, up and yeah, then, use it up and yeah. maybe it's not something that you do buy regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you're just testing it out to see if it's something you want to incorporate, then that's great as well. You mm. know, like don't, don't rush into it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then once you've implemented this system in your pantry, give your family or your roommates a tour, like mm. show them around, say, okay, this is where, cause you might've rearranged things. Typically if you're doing just like what we talked about before cupboards and eliminating certain things more so than not, you're going to keep them in the same space mm. because when you've moved into the home, I know I do this, I think strategically where everything's going to go. And I put that place where it's the most practical use for it. So most of the time you would have done that to begin with, but I think the pantry and the fridge in particular tend to get kind of like, oh yeah, just like just shove it in there and the food, like food's food, I'll find it when I need it. So it might be worthwhile if you've completely revamped it rather than your family or roommates getting frustrated with you. Um, like, oh, where'd you put this? You know, and constantly asking you again. Just give, you know, can I take 10 minutes of your time, five minutes even, and just t- explain to you where everything is so yeah. that they're on top of it as well and therefore it's completely uh, or, off your list. Or at the very least, explain how it's structured, how, how you said before. You know, all the spreads are grouped here. All the spices are over here. All the flowers are over here. Here are the grains. Here are the oils. You know, understand the framework, if you like, of the pantry. And then that might make it even easier for people to find what they need. Um, yeah. And on top of that, it's labelled. So And it helps keep them accountable because you've done the work. And exactly. now it's also like, okay, I've, I'm putting the ball in your court and I want you to keep it this way as That's well. That's it. it hundred percent if you can get some buy-in and also when things run out there's more people to help out it's just not all on you yeah dear listener whoever's yeah. <laughs> going to be doing the most most of this work yeah um so next up we've got the fridge and freezer so again pull everything out i know that a lot of fridges have a lot of things in there and i hope you have enough bench space to pull everything out yeah because this needs to be done in one hit this yeah. is you need to move fast on the fridge yes so pull everything out i would really suggest if you don't do this regularly please clean out your fridge please clean the shelves and just make it nice and tidy get rid of all those oil stains and ketchup stains and whatever else you know from packets of salad that are yeah don't want to go into that i feel gross even just talking about it but clean it out then obviously again check leftovers 
check that everything that was in there hasn't expired or it's not growing funny stuff on it discard that if it is again something to implement which we won't go into too much in this podcast episode but we've talked about it in the blog post that we did recently was um, the zero waste kitchen where we talk about different types of waste so if you can compost it recycle yourself plastics all that sort of great stuff so try and implement something like that in your kitchen space as well just to lessen the impact on this environment but I'll leave that at that So put together, like what I said with the pantry, put together, now you'll see all of the veggies and the produce and whatever else needs to be in the fridge that's about to go off or expire soon. Put together a quick meal plan of the things that you want to use up first. And I normally put that to like one side of the fridge because obviously fridge items should be kept in the fridge, even if it's like half a day later that you're getting to them. So that part is like your to go pile or like use up first pile and then if there's certain things that you find in the fridge you're like oh I didn't even know I had that I don't know when is the next time I'm going to eat that give it away another thing that you can do is freeze it if it's freezer friendly so that's something else to consider and again as I'm saying with the fridge do the same thing with your freezer so pull everything out clean it out make sure everything's still in date And I hope that you have things that have been labeled. If you have no idea what it is, just discard it. It's better to be safe than sorry. You don't want food poisoning. And then like we did with the pantry, just put things in certain sections so that your fridge is nice and organized. So you have like a a section for leftovers. You have a section for condiments spreads you know all that type of thing yeah and which which a lot of the i mean the the way that a fridge is designed these days would lean itself and encourage you to organize it in a particular way yeah. some of them are even labeled yeah um they come <laughs> out of the shop labeled um or telling you where to put things but i think that the main thing here is again it's probably asking yourself why and how 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 did it get to the point of maybe generating this food waste if if that is what's happening when you're clearing out your fridge you know what are the decisions that you made to buy some of these ingredients what was your intention Mm. for us sometimes we get caught out and buying too much produce you know we used to do that quite a bit oh too much and then just before everything goes off marsha's making the soups and broths and juicing all these things you know just to use up the ingredients so, you know, that could be one reason is you maybe you're overbuying, you're overshopping your fresh produce, but then for all your condiments and things like that, you know, if that's going into expiry, are there double ups again with your mustards and your tomato sauces and your srirachas and how's that happening? Why is that happening? What's the root cause of that system? Is there a shared, is there a shared grocery list in the household? Or is everybody just sort of bringing home things and not realizing that the other person has bought it? Yeah. You know, can you sort of, Think about how you can address those issues so, again, you can mitigate all that food waste as well. So yeah. I think it's really important because I think we, we can all, we've all done this a lot. I think we do this in our workplaces. We do this at home. There's usually one person that cares a lot. You know, Marshall will be that person that cares a lot about having a clean fridge and they will do this exercise, but then it quickly goes back to the way it was before. So I think it's really important to take a step back and ask yourself why and see if you can put systems in place to yeah. prevent that from happening again in the future. Yeah, good point. So I think now that we've pretty much looked at most cupboard spaces, and when I say cupboard spaces as well, I'm also talking about underneath your sink, where the rubbish bin, like everything, clear yeah. all of that out. All, your all of the 100 and million and different 
reusable bags that you have underneath the sink wedged into one corner and cleaning products and, yep. you know. Sponges and Lots of things that you just forget yep. that end up happening down there. So, and that's a really important part to actually deal with because a lot of people forget that section Yep. quite easily. Now, you might have a section where you've put aside all of the things that need to be used up quickly. Yep. Let's just put that aside somewhere for now. Just get it, maybe put it on your kitchen table so that it's just off all of your surfaces so that you can practically look at what lives on your bench surfaces, yeah? This is where we bring the box back into our little space or big space, depending on what you've got and go, okay, so everything that's on the surface, am I using this every single day to justify it taking up space on my bench tops? Even if you are using it every single day, it just takes, think about this, it just takes a few seconds for you to pull it out, plug it in. It's normally an appliance. So let's say plug it in, use it, put it away. The time that it takes you to do that and then have to, so let's say it takes you five, six seconds to do that. But then if you leave it on your bench space, you have to look at that thing all day. So if you have And you lose that space. Yeah, you lose lose that space space and you have a more of a visual cluttered environment. Yeah. And then if it also goes back to like that transformation you defined at the beginning is, you know, like think about a clean slate for your kitchen. When you first moved in, there was nothing in there, right? What is the... How is your kitchen designed? What's it lean towards doing? How is it best meant to function? And think about how do you make this a place where you want to spend time in? So all that stuff that you did at the beginning to define a transformation comes back now when you look at the surfaces because the surfaces are going to have probably the greatest impact on how you feel about your kitchen on a day-to-day basis. And, and having enough space on surfaces is going to really dictate that. So, you know, we say that because we know how easy it is to fall into the trap of just saying, well, I use this all the time. Why would I move it? Mm. Right? Or being okay or settling for having things on surfaces. And there are some things that we still have on surfaces. Like, for example, um, we still have a kettle, you know, because Marsha's always boiling water for her teas throughout the day. Um, but you're using that multiple times yeah, a day. Yeah, or to cook pasta or to, you know, that's right. add water to soup or whatever. The kettle is constantly moving. And, like, yeah. that's something that, you know, um, if, if it was only used once a day, for sure we would put that away. And because we've decluttered our storage, like our storage and our cupboards, we have the space now to be able to put the kettle into storage. When if we had a cluttered storage spaces, we wouldn't be able to have that conversation. Yeah. So that's an example of a decision that you might want to make, right? So for a toaster, like we don't toast as much bread as we used to, therefore the toaster is off the surface, gone. Yeah. Um, the juicer, the the food processor, the the blender, these appliances. Rest in peace, blender. <laughs> yeah, we Our hit blender a new blender. Our blender died last week. <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs> um, but those things all have a, a particular home in storage. Yeah. Off off the surface, right? So yeah. it's just one of those things that you know you really need to push yourself to be more not ruthless, but a bit more willing mm. to. I think once you once you have very little things on surfaces. It's hard to go back once mm. you've experienced that level of freedom and just seeing what's possible in your kitchen when you have that much space, when you've maximized basically all 
the space that you pos- that you have in a kitchen to use for preparing food. Yeah. Which is really the, the core and the function of a kitchen. Yeah. Now, fair enough. If you want the odd vase and, and plant on there or you want to you have things which are pretty and that's totally fine. Or chopping boards. I think, you know, like when I'm just thinking about our current setup is I have all of our wooden things. Yeah. They're out because I believe that wood needs to breathe. Yep. Um, and so I don't actually put those things into cupboards. Did we used to put them in cupboards? We did. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So now I've kind of got them in an open space. And again, I use wooden spoons, chopping boards, like at least two, three times at least a day. Yeah. So, and they don't take up too much space once you have it flat against a surface. And I visually like the look of wood. Yes. Like it adds, for you, it also adds to the aesthetic of of your vision of the kitchen too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, you got to keep those things in mind as well as you're crafting your own space and making those decisions as well. So that's kind of like that exercise to do to hopefully get to a more of a minimal kitchen space. But there's one other thing that we wanted to discuss on that note, which we've talked about before when it comes to minimalism is about assessing what you actually bring into that space. Yep. So we've talked about it in different situations, but now we're obviously talking about it in the kitchen sense. So hopefully you'll be a little bit more intentional about what you bring in once you've realized, oh, I didn't know I had three different jars of icing sugar. Like why, you know, just puzzling I mean, that's a pretty confronting process, right? When you declutter a kitchen and you just see the damage of everything, you're like, whoa, that's going in the bin, that's going in the box, that's going in the bin. I don't even remember buying that. I don't remember buying that. When you're having these moments, I think naturally after that type of experience, you're going to start hopefully questioning how you got there. (laughs) Like, uh, And even with those items, if there's things or you have excess of or there's things that you don't, use or things that you want to use but you don't want to purchase like ask around ask your friends your family your neighbors if they use that ingredient and want it or if they use it and are happy to give you some to you know to use in a particular recipe if you just need one teaspoon of some rose water for instance yeah and more often than not i'm sure you'll find someone rather than you know it can be a bit of work depending on your situation and whatever might be just easier to buy it. But if you spend time with friends and family, that can be something that you can consider doing as well just to minimize the waste in your kitchen. But sometimes you can also pick up those obscure things in bulk food shops. So you might, you know, and that's the beauty of a bulk food shop is that you just buy as much or as little as you need. So if you do need like, You never use bicarb soda in recipes, but you need like half a teaspoon for one recipe. You can go and buy that in a bulk store and they won't like, you know, they won't mind. It'll cost you like five cents, Mm. but you have that ingredient for that one recipe. And I think that's great. Absolutely. Because I think think a lot of what what causes that food clutter is being constrained to buy something at a minimum size. That's pre-packaged, right? Yeah. And you only use it once and that's it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Mm. The other thing is that as you were going through this process, you probably came across tools and appliances and things that you just go, why on earth do I have this? It might have seemed like a good thing to buy at the time, but like 
you don't need a banana storing device that's shaped like a banana. You don't need Is probably... Is there such thing? <laughs> there is. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because you might just want half a banana. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then you need to store it in something, but, you know, people might not think that you'll just use a Tupperware container. You need a specific one that's... Anyways. For a banana. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And they have those things for avocados as well. Right. I've seen them too. Okay. Um, That's very, 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 very specific. Very niche. Yeah. But it sells. Yeah. Anyway, so... That's taken, you- <laughs> taken single use to another level. <laughs> um, so, you just review those things, you know, like does it have just one purpose or is it a multi-purpose? Yeah, I think the big thing, big eye-opener for us was knives, for example. Because yeah. like, you know, when, when you buy a knife set, it, it comes with like, what, six different knives normally? Well, it depends um, what, what size you buy. Oh, I see, right. There's different sizes. There you go. I haven't, I haven't shopped for knives for a long time. But yeah, normally they come with quite a few, at least a handful. But when we broke it down and we wrote about this in Marsha's um, Your Kitchen Essentials post, which we'll link to as well. But when we thought about it, it's like we need, what, three different types of knives? We need a small peeling yep. knife. Yeah. A... Um, like pairing knife. Pairing knife, that's the <laughs> one. A pairing knife. What's the main one called? Just a chef's knife. Just a chef's like knife. Like a large yep. sort of nice big one. Yep. yep. And a one that you use for chopping bread. Yeah. A bread knife. A bread knife. There you go. <laughs> yeah. When it boils down, it's like, oh, those are the three different types of knives that we need. And they, I mean, we have a dishwasher. Yeah. So they tend to go into the dishwasher overnight. But because we use them throughout the day, we're cleaning them quite often. And people um, will gasp that you're putting your good quality knives in the dishwasher, but it's never yeah. been an issue for no, us. And, so. and I think the big thing is, is just making sure you, you, you have yeah, a knife sharpener yeah. to keep it sharp. Because man, you can, it's just, look guys, if you want to, Make cooking more attractive for yourself, more approachable. Make sure you have sharp knives. You, you feel don't, you don't even have to spend hundreds of dollars no. on a knife. They can the be sharp. And what you have, yeah. yeah, like the knife that we use every day is from IKEA that we bought. I don't even remember eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, eight or nine years ago, and it's ago. still going. Yeah, like okay, I made the mistake within the first week of buying it, trying to open up a coconut, and I dented it. But besides <laughs> it's that, it's going strong though. <laughs> I think we've bought another one since exactly the same, but that was yeah. <laughs> that was my bad. But yeah, so just having a sharp knife, it will make you feel like a little pro, like you're just you're ready to prepare food. Yeah. Um. So that's absolutely and critical. Blunt knives can be quite dangerous. I yes. mean, so can sharp knives, but yep. if you know how to, you know, just use it and just be careful with it, then yep. that's what they're designed to do. So as I mentioned before, like just buying the things that you need or discarding and having in your cupboard things that you need. So applying minimalism again, what I said before about putting my jars in to my basket to go to the shops. So just reusing those because that's our staples. And I hardly ever go outside of those products because that's what we use. Mm. It's it's kind of like a brainless activity for yeah. me these days. The sizes of jars vary depending on the ingredient and how. Like something like oats, we might have gluten-free flour. They're the ones that we kind of... Like I have a large jar for flour, but it doesn't... I buy flour every few months, you know, when I'm stocking up. And if I'm making something with flour, I normally need a decent amount if I'm test, recipe yeah. testing and whatever else. So... And, um, then, and then for like something like chili powder, you've got yeah. like a very small yeah. little jar. 
for that. One that I recycled from like capers. So it's like this skinny sort of looking yes, jar. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing as well we forgot to mention is, you know, j- jars can can be a little bit expensive to try and buy. So Marsh has done a great job of reusing a lot of jars um, from supermarkets and things like that as well. Getting the labels off and then just using them in, in, in the pantry. So you can be a little bit more resourceful and recycle some of those jars for, yeah. for storage as well. Or sometimes in the bulk stores, they'll also have where you can obviously normally buy brand new jars, but they might have, like I know in co-ops, they might have a section where people have brought in spare jars. So if you have too many, you can take them typically to a food co-op. And if you need some, you can go to a food co-op to get some. So that's, you know, that's a great way to to make sure that they don't go into recycling and break and all that stuff. So... Yeah. So I think with with all of this, I think what what's great is that from having a minimalist kitchen, we've created an environment where we ultimately want to spend more time in. And on top of that, um, there's a level of ease and awareness to how it functions as well. Like even though you're way more aware of what happens in a kitchen than I am, I feel like the systems you've put in place have made it so it's been very easy for me to understand what's happening it's very rare that you ask me where something is yeah like it's normally just because you're lazy to look but (laughs) (laughs) other than that it's you don't really ask and we rarely waste any food yeah like it's normally like a recipe that a recipe's gone pear-shaped has gone it's turned into such a disaster like i'll normally stomach like pretty bad it's normally baking yeah but if you have to test it over and over again and the first like iterations just like nope that didn't work but that happens up front it's not like something gets expired yeah yeah, yeah. so no it's it's a shame to throw out good quality ingredients too but sometimes it's as a recipe developer that's just what happens so that's it so that's those are some of the things we've experienced that we really appreciated and of course having the the bent space that we like to move freely to be able to cook and enjoy that space as well. So anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, and I think like over time, once we've sort of developed these and implemented these things in our kitchen, it's obviously given me a lot of food for thought as to how I create recipes, you know, like especially in the last 12 months, I've really tried to focus on using ingredients that are very accessible to people. Or as accessible as I guess they can be for me because, you know, like we live in a smaller sort of city. I don't even know what the population is here, 100,000? Yeah, a bit over, 110,000, yeah. Yeah. So if I can get access to it here, I would say that majority of people can access it in um, bigger cities especially. But we do try our best to kind of have recipes with easy to find ingredients so that's just something that I've kind of implemented you might see some of my older recipes that are like where am I going to get that from but still I haven't really had too many people ask me that question or over on our website but yeah that's that's definitely a goal and it's kind of become a bit of a tagline for us yeah creating delicious vegan recipes with everyday ingredients yes so yeah absolutely and I should also close the loop on the box situation. So the oh, things, sorry. yeah. So the things that we've put aside yeah, into just boxes, leave the box yeah. In the kitchen. Um, I think it's it's about okay. So once you've separated the things in the in, into boxes that you you haven't used in the last six months, then it's about setting a time in your calendar or a reminder in your phone, your diary, whatever you use for three months from 
when you've allocated things in the box and to see if in the next three months you feel the need to reach for those items. And uh, that would would be a good exercise to see if it's as essential as you first thought it was. Mm. Um, if you didn't reach for those things in the next three months, that's when you really, we would suggest it's probably uh, something you, you would need to discard and or recycle or give away or whatever. Try and extend the life cycle in some way, shape or form. But you can just put it aside for the next couple of months. If you're a little bit more impatient and you really want to prove it's, it's, it's more essential, you can reduce that time frame to one to two months. It's completely up to you. But that's there to help you if you feel like you're really struggling to make those decisions. But like if you know straight off the bat, I'm never going to use this yes. again, just part with it now. That's it. Like call it a day. But if there are some things that you might think, oh yeah, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. But like you don't also want to create this environment where like I'm a little bit more open to also suggesting that if people like to have things, you know, that they use around special occasions, but they always definitely use it. I would keep like a small box of those things somewhere where it's accessible to you, but it's not in the way in the kitchen. Yep. So if you love to make pasta from scratch for family when they come over during the holidays, and that's just like a family tradition, but you don't really use it outside of that, keep that. Or see if somebody else in the family has one that they can bring over. But if it's not practical, yes. for you, you know, you can still keep that item. But another thing, actually, there's a point that I forgot so, to but, make. But would you, just on that though, so you'd suggest that pasta machine would be stored outside of the kitchen so it doesn't take up primary yeah, yeah. storage space, yeah, for example? Yeah, you want things yep. that are in your kitchen that you use, use. weekly. Sure, gotcha. At least weekly. Yeah. But again, another thing to apply with minimalism is like, please don't bother having like multiple sets of... Like, I guess you can think about this when you're going through the decluttering process, but I just kind of want to make this specific point in particular because I have seen it happen in the past is having special china for special occasions. Right. Now, for me, like what we use, we use really nice stuff every single day. For us, like, okay, yes, we don't have children and you might find that that's difficult with kids and you have like special plastic or silicon or, you know, non-breakable things for them, that's fine. But I think it's important to get out of your head that you're saving things just for special occasions or for special things that happen in your life. And I think it's important to bring those special things into everyday use because mentally it can, you know, like how you're plating something on a really average, maybe slightly chipped plate to something that you might just pull out on special occasions that you serve yourself food for that day. Mentally, you will feel better about that meal Mm. automatically Mm. um, eating it from that special plate. So just like little things. Every every day is special. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So just keep that in the back of your mind when you're decluttering your kitchen to kind of go, okay, do I really need three different sets of plates, bowls and cups and whatever? And really paring it down to your favorite and parting with the rest yep. and using those on a regular basis rather than, you know, just at Christmas time once a year. Yep. So, yeah, just wanted to make that point. But I think that's, was there anything else that we missed? Uh, look, I'm sure there is lots of things <laughs> that we've missed, but I think 
uh, if we if we think of more things and we can do maybe a part two at some point. But no, I think that's pretty comprehensive. And look, again, a lot of this stuff is is common sense and. I'm sure you guys are aware of a lot of these actions and these steps that could be taken, but I suppose when it comes down to it is, you know, is it worth becoming a priority? Mm. You know, because again, you're going to be spending time in your kitchen. There's no time like the present to start feeling the benefits of having a clutter-free kitchen. With nice things that you can use every day. Yeah, (laughs) things that you can use every day. It's practical with food you're not wasting. Uh, would your would your family having great awareness now of where everything is, and hopefully, so you can all spend more time in there, yeah, and have a positive experience. So, I hope that this has inspired you to maybe take some action on that in the next couple of weeks, so you can feel better, yes. because you can get a quick minimalist win in the kitchen. Yes, well, not that quick, but <laughs> you Quick-ish. can get a win. <laughs> yeah, still, still a bunch of decisions you'll need to make, but yeah. But it's you know like it's doable. Yes. Yeah cool all right all right thank you so much for tuning in guys yes thank you and we'll chat to you guys in the next episode